Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. It's all the rage at the office at the moment. Is ChatGPT going to take my job as a dentist? In the face of technological advancement, there are both the negative naysayers and the blind believers. Where does that leave you? I pondered the same question. If I want to be hearing all this chatter from colleagues, students, tutors, and lecturers, who could provide some clarity in this ever-changing field? I'm really grateful to be able to bring on today's guest, Dr. Hannah Pathani. She's a highly accomplished and dedicated dental professional and a PhD student at the Biomedical Informatics and Digital Health Department at the School of Medical Sciences at the University of Sydney. In this episode and another coming, we talk all things AI and dentistry and get to the bottom of how these tools work and what they mean for our industry. Curious? Please have a listen. So I think the best way to think of it is it's essentially the study of computer understanding of human language, which is pretty remarkable to even be in this space talking about this. It's essentially combining the disciplines of linguistics with machine learning. And some of the applications you're probably already familiar with are things like speech recognition, text generation, chatbots. You've probably heard of sentiment analysis where essentially you're just trying to figure out from Google reviews, for example, whether someone or a population that's been to a certain restaurant or even a clinical practice generally has a positive or negative sentiment towards that venue. And then lastly, my most favorite topic is information extraction, which essentially means using natural language processing methods to extract relevant and critical information from free text. So that's basically NLP in a nutshell. Yeah. So you mentioned that that can be responsible for like review summaries of things like dental practices. To bring things back to dentistry, how does that then become relevant to the field of dentistry? So in terms of natural language processing applications in dentistry, I mean, some of the things that we could be doing and and are actually being done are using speech recognition for automated note-taking, right? So speech to text and in medical and I'm not sure about OPGs, but I know for sure in in the medical field, NLP is already being used to automatically summarize radiology reports or generate radiology reports. You know, we, we could and maybe people have been working on some chatbots out there that are dental specific, but you can think about, you know, having a domain specific chatbot that's very similar to ChatGPT that either clinicians or patients could use, right? And then obviously information extraction, meaning extracting relevant data from clinical notes. So what does that exactly look like? So do you have, you know, if a patient walks in the door, would you then record the whole appointment and have, say, text-to-speech on your clinical notes? Is that something that you could look at doing? Yeah, not necessarily. I think... When we really have looked at it in the past, as as the field has looked at it in the past, it's been clinician essentially recording into a device or, or, or talking into a device and that information that then gets constructed into clinical notes. But what I find interesting about what you just said is having that patient encounter itself recorded as an audio is something that's come up as a suggestion because 
clinical notes aren't perfect. The way they're being recorded isn't perfect. They're not consistent. And when it comes to medico-legal issues, it's probably one of the biggest factors is lack of, of proper documentation. And so one of the suggestions has been, I think it was actually in the ADJ, and I think the author was maybe Lisa Brown, I could be wrong. But the suggestion was essentially, well, maybe we should even be recording the patient encounter itself. Whether you're a new grad or an experienced clinician, there comes a point where our passion wanes and we lack direction and motivation for our profession. At some point, we all need a little bit of inspiration, something that helps take us to the next level. Presenting the Dental Summit 2023. Two whole days of incredible lectures from Australia's greatest CPD providers held at the Shangri-La Hotel in Sydney, followed by a cocktail night to remember so you can make those connections and network with like-minded dentists. So, in 2023, invest in yourself. Visit the webpage www.tds23.com to purchase tickets for September 1st and 2nd. And you can use our discount code DHS10 to get 10% off your ticket purchase. You've been working on a bit of, of a project yourself about natural language processing. Do you mind describing a bit about that and what, how that's looking at kind of oral health uh, determinants? Yeah, so the project is essentially twofold and the project is really about firstly addressing high prevalence of oral disease, secondly trying to address evaluating or assessing quality of care delivery, which in turn may have a better impact on prevalence. So one part is that we know that oral diseases are social diseases. We know that they, the prevalence and severity especially tends to impact the lower socioeconomic groups. We don't have better data around it. By that, I mean we don't capture any longitudinal surveillance data at scale at the moment about social determinants of health. So while we have this like general understanding that oral diseases are a social disease, we don't know how each of the social determinants interact, what relationships strongly speak to clinical outcomes. And by extracting what we think we expect to have detailed information in clinical notes, at doing that at scale, we should be able to answer questions that we can't really answer right now. So, you know, exactly what I said before, how do each of the social determinants interact what part do they play in clinical outcomes? When we combine that data with diagnoses, treatment procedures, and clinical outcomes, we can actually probably conduct more robust population oral health studies that we're not able to do right now, and then ultimately advocate for better oral health policies. So advocating for better oral health policies is something that you could see as like a real benefit and real value, I guess, from, from this research. What are the, I guess, what are some of the pros and cons of trying to implement natural language processing software for like writing notes and consent forms or pitfalls and traps maybe? When I think about that question, I kind of think, well, what are the gaps right now? What are we doing right now? And what are the gaps in what we're doing right now? Right? So some of the things we do right now are literally just free form type our notes, or we might have a DA act as a scribe for our notes. We also use templates a lot, right, for both note taking and consent forms. And templates can be quite beneficial. So they tend to capture a fair bit of detail that, you know, if you're just free form writing that you might miss out on. 
The downside of, of templates, and there's already evidence showing this, is just copying and pasting the same, you know, filled out template across like three different patients. And it turns out, you know, actually one of them is not a smoker or whatever the case might be. And that that's a serious problem or downside of templates. And then, then we can start to look at, okay, well, if, if these are our issues, how can NLP assist? So when we talked about NLP applications, one of them is speech to text. And there are a lot of companies that are working on this. In fact, I think a couple of emergency departments in public hospitals already use speech to text to collect notes. There are dental companies that have developed speech to text for periocharting in particular. And that's actually all great, right? It's It sounds ideal. So you don't have to type your notes, especially tedious periocharting. But what about when these things go wrong? So what if in the speech-to-text application, for whatever reason, it's not actually accurately recording that periodontal chart, but you don't realise until the patient comes back in three months or six months for their follow-up that, that the information you initially recorded was all, all wrong. And there are, there's, there are systematic reviews, there's evidence to show that they're not perfect, nothing's ever perfect, but but they work reasonably well enough in certain contexts to be used. As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief, but sometimes they call because there's more challenging things going on. Dental practitioner support is there for you in these times to give proactive advice, help you improve your health and well-being before there are major concerns. We all need a helping hand sometimes, and it's okay to ask for help. So if you find you need it, call 1-800-377-700 or visit the website dpsupport.org.au. They have loads of great information to get you started. One of the recurring themes, I think, one of the recurring questions I want to keep asking you in this interview is the rate of everybody talks about the rate of AI error and you know the things that AI, you know, text to speech, you know, like you said, you might stuff up a, it might miscalculate the periodontal probing depths. But in these systematic reviews, do they compare the rate of human error as well, even without any additional AI tools? I actually think that's really interesting. There are a lot of studies that compare the performance of machine learning models to specialists or clinicians who are experts in the field who have, you know, X number of years of of experience. So in terms of like, if we think about studies that compare human performance to machine learning models, they're mixed. So I, I can't tell you that there's overwhelming evidence that, you know, specialists get it right all the time or the model gets it right all the time. I think there are nuances with how the study's designed and, you know, what's actually being collected. I will say, though, it the answer is it depends in, in terms of, you know, if you're comparing machine performance to human performance. I, I think as dentists, one of the things that we can't forget is that we have a very 
very complex skill set. And at least in the next 10 years, I don't see a machine ever being able to replicate the level of data synthesis that we have to do ourselves to manage a person. It's huge. You collect patient history. You synthesize all of that information with your oral examination. And then you also tie in all of the investigations that you do and the results of those investigations to then decide, well, how am I actually going to appropriately manage this person? No machine learning model can do that. And I think that's really important to hear that spoken by someone like you, because I think that oftentimes everybody's got a different opinion and you'll have people who probably aren't the best at integrating with new technology that might say things like that. And you think, oh, well, they can only type, they're still typing with an index finger. Like I said, it's very valuable to get your opinion on that. And so one thing, I guess, to bring things back to natural language processing is everybody's talking about the use of chat GPT in like in regular schools and what that means for like things like English class. But I guess as far as I'm aware, I haven't really heard anything about dental school. I'm curious if you have any opinions on should that kind of technology be allowed to be used in dental schools? So I think it's already happening. I don't think it's happening at an assessment level, but I know 100% students are already using this to help them in their learning. So when ChatGPT came out, I thought that there was, I remember there was a knee-jerk reaction to, you know, okay, let's just go back to pen and paper. That's how we're going to deal with this. That is not how you deal with incoming technology that students are already using. At least that's that's my view. I have some understanding of, you know, higher education learning and teaching and Bloom's taxonomy is one of those theoretical things that we talk about in, in higher education learning, right? Having chat GPT doesn't take away from having to use critical thinking in both teaching and learning. So we have, in addition to like theoretical exams that essentially ask you to regurgitate information, right? Like what are your cranial nerves and blah, blah, blah. On top of that, you've got vivas, you've got OSCEs, you've got clinical exams. How is ChatGPT going to help with any of those things? It's not. There are limitations in what you can use it for. And I think a fear approach to new technology is not the greatest way to, to approach things. It should be more of a case of, I know in Sydney Medical School, one of the lecturers is actually already incorporating it in assessments. So they're essentially saying, use ChatGPT to write this assessment and then critically evaluate the, the output. But that's actually a, a really smart way of incorporating new technology. If I was to use a metaphor, and this might probably be a bit too simplified, but is it a bit like in maths class being allowed to use a calculator? Like you still need to kind of know how to do your addition and subtraction and times tables and stuff but it certainly allows you to do things a lot faster and hence do a lot more complicated maths with a calculator in your hand yep absolutely 100 percent. and i think that's like a recurring theme in our conversation where you can use these tools to assist in your clinical practice but at the end of the day it's still up to you to synthesize all of the information you have to manage your patient they don't care whether you do it with a calculator or without, right? As long as the the clinical outcome is a desirable one. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist.
So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.